0: At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. So the title of this series that's going to go until we're done, simply, Relationships. And um, I have to say that God has shown me through the years, and especially in the last few years, how vital that relationships are in every way, and how relationships can hinder your connection and advancement with God, or how relationships can help that and advance it. And um, so today, as we get into this, um, we're going to start with looking at The relationship that Jesus had with His natural parents and the relationship that He had with His heavenly Father, with the Father. Um, Because I believe that understanding Jesus' relationship with His parents and understanding His relationship with the Father is the foundation for a successful relationship in every other area. It's the foundation for that. You're not going to have strong relationships with other people that are lasting without a relationship with God. You can have surface relationships. You can can tolerate people and tolerate situations and, and just... You know, some people are, are tougher at that than others. Some people have uh, longer, um, I guess, endurance fuses than other people do. But God doesn't want you to tolerate relationships. He wants you to enjoy relationships and have fulfilling relationships. And, and the key to that is understanding the relationship that Jesus had with his earthly parents, which we have very little information, but actually, in the information that we do have, it's, it's very deep. It is very deep, the relationship. And the relationship that he developed with his heavenly Father. Because he understood the relationship with his earthly parents, he developed and stepped into his relationship with his heavenly father. He had to develop it or he couldn't be the perfect example and redeemer for you and me, for you and I. He had to he had to be born, he had to grow up, he had to live in one of these and experience what we experience and overcome everything that he faced so that he could be our Redeemer, and liberate our lives. Can you say amen to that? So today I want to give you just a few definitions. This is kind of a foundational message in where we're going, but, but I want to just spend some time on understanding what relationship is, the word relationship. What, what You know we have ideas about relationships, but but what is relationship? Okay, and and I'm saying I'm I'm looking at the word relationship, not relationships. Relationship. It's a connection. It's an association. It's an involvement. It's a connection between, this is one form of it, a connection between persons by blood or marriage. It's an emotional or other connection between people. In other words, an example is you think of school, a relationship between teachers and and children and the students. There's there's relationship between teachers and students that you began at the beginning of a school year and you end at the end of that year either liking them or not liking them, student and teachers. How many teachers can say amen to that? Okay. <clears throat> anyway, I just know of the days I was in school. So, where where I, where I want to go with this, though, is... So we're talking about connection, about association, involvement. Because if, if I have a what I think of a relationship, if I have a relationship with somebody, it has to, I mean, for it to be effective, it has to be two-sided, you know? Many people have relationships with people, but it's one-sided. They're putting out all the effort, the other person's putting out nothing. A relationship is a connection, an association, and it's involvement. There's involvement that goes with that. It's a connection, a relationship, and we're going to look at this more today because of Jesus and His parents and Jesus and His Father, Heavenly Father. We're going to look at the connection between persons by blood or marriage. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you some thoughts about a story in the book of Ruth here in a moment. But before I, before I talk a little bit about that, I want to give you a definition of one of the synonyms of relationship. One of the synonyms of relationship is kinship. Kinship. Kinship and the definition of kinship is the state or fact of being of kin. (laughs) Being of family, like family relationship. Of blood. The kinship is the blood relationship. And this morning We're going to look at this first, because when blood relationship is not good, neither are other relationships. And most people that I know wait until other people do something before they work on relationship, connection, involvement. People wait for other people to do things. And you need, you and I both, we need to hear messages like this because you need to realize how you are in the driver's seat for every relationship. Other people can do exactly what they want to do, but if you know him and you understand how he operates and what his desire is, then you're the one in the driver's seat. And if something's not working, you can't blame it on somebody else. Yeah, but pastor, I've done everything I know. No, you haven't. No. You know why I know that? Because if you made that statement right there, you're not doing everything you know. Because in that statement is blame. In that statement, you're not taking full responsibility. So, you can go read this later. I'm not going to read all the scriptures in it. I'm just going to give you the content of the story. In the book of Ruth, there is a great example of a story. And it, it gives us the example of how Jesus has become our bridegroom and we are his bride, were His beloved, is the word, the word that He uses all through Scripture. Ruth was a Moabitess, and she was a, a, a very strong idol worshiper, and Ruth in that passage of Scripture represents the church. <clears throat> and like her, we have all lived under the rule and influence of the enemy, of Satan, Right? in a world system that is totally opposed to the kingdom of God, totally opposed to it. And that's where she lived. And, and in this story, in Ruth, it'd be good for you to go and read it, um, that's who she was. And Ruth had a deliverer and his name was Boaz, and he represents in this story the Lord Jesus. Jesus, in other words, is our kinsman redeemer. I'm going to say it again. He is our kinsman redeemer. Don't don't let that statement lose you. Stay with me. Okay? Because you need to understand this. If you don't get anything else today, you need to understand this. Boaz was Ruth's kinsman redeemer, and Jesus, he was like Jesus was, and that's who Jesus is to us. He's redeemed us, he's paid the price for us, he's delivered us from spiritual poverty, and he's taken us as his bride. He has. And there's something about Scripture that all through Scripture, the Bible, repeatedly uses Weddings and marriage to reveal to us God's pursuit of His love for us, and watch this, and His desire to be with us forever. His desire to be with us forever. listen to me when I say this, okay? Don't take this wrong. But I have a desire after almost 44 years of marriage to be with my wife forever. That she be my wife forever. I have that desire. Why? Because I know my Boaz. I know him. I know my Heavenly Father. I know him. I know him. Had I not known him when I was 18 years old, I asked him in my heart for the first time and I knew nothing about him. Nothing. And God made sure that people got in my life that believed the Word of God Because the Word of God transformed and revolutionized my life. And for 45 years, almost 46 years now, I've been developing an understanding of my kinsman Redeemer and who he really is. And God's desire is for me and to be with me forever, that I'll be with him forever. So, the marriage relationship and what you see Boaz is for Ruth, and what the Bible says I am for my wife, I have a desire forever. Only because of what the Word did, because there was enough stuff in me that would have talked me out of that, not that I didn't love her, but I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to live with her because I didn't understand this. So you get what I'm saying. If you've divorced, if you've left relationship like what I'm talking about right here, the reason is, is because we don't know him like we need to know him. And no matter how much you think you know him, it's a constant fight. Constantly things coming against us, that's why we have to have an ongoing relationship with who he is to us. Can you say amen? But the story of Ruth and Boaz is a perfect example of Jesus, who is our kinsman redeemer, watch this, redeeming us back to kinship relationship. Where did that start? That started in the garden. We were created in His image. He created these things for us to live in, our spirit man to live in. He created us that way, so we're of His family. We're of His blood. That's why you have to be in this life now because of what Adam and Eve chose, you have to be born a second time, and as you're born a second time, your kinsman, Redeemer, restores you, redeems you back to your original family. See, in in my natural family, there's a lot of cancer, there's a lot of heart issues, there's a lot of way back early deaths because of situations like that in my natural family, my blood family. So people tell me all the time, well, you need to do this and this because that's in your bloodline. No, no, not on my bloodline. I thank God for my earthly family, but that's not in my bloodline. See, my kinsman, Redeemer, has redeemed me back to my original bloodline. See, and by his stripes, I'm healed. Did you you hear me? See, my family didn't know those things. Nobody in my family was saved when I got saved. Nobody that I know of. Maybe somebody way back, probably so. But nobody alive when I got born again in my family was saved. And you can be saved and have no understanding of what I'm talking about today. We need relationship with our kinsman redeemer. Because he takes us and connects us to who we're really connected to. All humanity is, whether they know it or not. And the story of Ruth and Boaz is a perfect story of how you and I have been liberated and free and delivered. Can you say amen to that? So, we're going to just go for a few minutes, and I'm going to get as far as I can in Scripture, and then I'll just stop and pick it up next week. But I want to read the passage in, in the book of Luke, Luke's account of what we have, most of what we have concerning... Jesus and his parents. And in Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to start with verse 39, Jesus, so in Luke chapter 2, we have, we have the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have, in the verses before this, we have the two, the two prophecies that were fulfilled to the people that, that were waiting in their life, that God had promised them that they would see their Redeemer. And they saw Him as a baby in the manger, and they, and they prophesied and declared what was said. And Mary and Joseph heard this, and they took it to heart, and they took it in their heart as they, they heard these things. And then in verse 39, and that's where I want to start, so when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. They had, they had uh, dedicated him, as we do at baby dedications, we read that passage in Luke. They had dedicated him before the Lord on, on, on the eighth day uh, after the birth of Jesus, as was their custom. And, um, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. This is Jesus. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother... Did not know it. I mean, we're talking about walking, you know, maybe camels or donkeys or whatever they had, but but walking, most of them, this is like a three-day journey. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found Him in the temple. He was in church, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening and then asking them questions. And all who heard Him were astonished at His understanding and His answers. So, a couple things I want to look at before we go on and finish that passage right there. So, Jesus is 12. They were in Jerusalem heading back to Nazareth. They don't see him for however many days. Three-day journey, three days back. I mean, it's, been a, it's probably the whole time involved, maybe seven or eight days. You know, some people I know that have a 12-year-old, they'd like them to be gone for eight or ten days. <clears throat> but here's somebody that, <laughs> I mean, think about it. There was probably a whole crew of people and family and stuff that had traveled But they didn't miss him. They weren't looking around for him. thing about Jesus at 12 years old, there wasn't anything, and the Bible tells us that in Isaiah, that there wasn't anything, um, you know, to draw attention to him. There wasn't anything magnificent and wonderful about him at 12 years old. He was probably a dirty, stinky boy. We know he played outside, we know he worked outside, we know he worked with his father, his earthly father. And so here they are, they're coming back, and they find him. And so when, so it says, and all who heard him, he was listening and He was asking questions, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. We have been distraught. Where in the heck have you been? And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? So at 12 years old, we know for a fact he knew something about his purpose on planet earth. And he told them, his parents, why did you get so upset? You know I'm about my father's business because his parents, for 12 years probably, nothing had really gone on. Nothing was magnificent about him. The Bible says he wasn't even all that good looking. So no attention was drawn to him in any way for 12 years. I think mom and dad, out of sight, out of mind from what the angels had told them, when Mary became pregnant with child and had not been with man. I think after 12 years, well, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe. He said, you realize I had to be about my father's business. But they did not understand the statement which spoke to them. That's why I'm thinking they probably didn't understand. Then, when he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them, but his mother kept all these things to her, uh, these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So as he came back to Nazareth, And he was subject and submitted to them as parents. Now, Jesus has gotten a revelation of who he is. What he could have said was, and I want you to relate this to child-parent relationship. Things we'll talk about in the days ahead. What he could have said was, do you know who the heck I am? Do you understand who you're dealing with? No. What did he do? He submitted to them. And the fact that he submitted to them, it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And I'll say it like this He increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor. Because of God and God's way. Don't you think that if he was asking questions when he was 12, he was probably asking questions when he was 11. And he was asking questions when he was 10. And he was asking questions based on the law and what he was hearing because he was learning how to understand who he was and who the Father was. He was learning to understand that, and from 12 years old to 30, we don't have much of any other account of what he did. I mean, church historians have some things. Um, Josephus has some writings about Jesus when he was a child, Um, but in the Bible, we don't have much of anything else about from 12 years old to 30 years old, except the fact that at the beginning of his earthly ministry and the wedding at canaan the mother came mother mary came to jesus and she said these people don't are out of wine you know can you do a miracle and he said it's not time yet and what was said was from her Whatever he tells you to do, do it. That is a woman whose son is under authority and submitted, and that's a woman who knows how to operate in authority and has been prepared to release him to do the things that God wanted him to do. All pictures of parent-child and child-parent relationships. But we see how... That Jesus submitted to his parents. And then in the next chapter in Luke 3.23, it says, Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, who was the son of Heli. Supposed. But he wasn't from that lineage. He was from the lineage of Mary, and his lineage is connected to the Father, and it's that bloodline that empowered him to become our kinsman redeemer, the one that has liberated us and delivered us. The word I spoke this morning, and Fabian confirmed it, that God's desire is that you prosper and that you be in health as your soul prospers, as your mind is renewed, as you really realize day to day who has really delivered you. If He's delivered us, then no sickness can take us out. If He's really delivered us, poverty, lack, cannot rule in our lives. If He's really delivered us, if He's really Him, then that's the way it is. See, the problem is that a lot of times we want to look around at what other situations look like or what's happened to other people and try to say that, well, you know, if, if that was true, then this wouldn't have happened to this person. I can't, I can't speak for someone else. I can speak for myself. I can have compassion for other people, pray for them, believe God with them, stand in faith with them, and do all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, I can't speak for someone else, only for myself. I declare today, and I declare it every day, in so many words, so many different things about my kinsman redeemer redeeming me and liberating my life no matter how I feel no matter what it looks like financially or anything else I'm delivered I'm set free amen. because of what he did so I want to read just a, just a number of w- one verses in looking at Jesus and the Father In John chapter 4 and verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. John 5 and 19. Then Jesus answered and He said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Jesus or Joseph and Mary had a huge responsibility in life to be an example to a young Jesus. Because he was watching everything that they did. The story is told that Joseph was an excellent carpenter. He built things, and he was an excellent tradesman. Jesus watched everything that he did, and Jesus was an excellent carpenter, tradesman. He was excellent. Why? Because he watched his father. What did that help him do? That helped him to step into a place and a role of believing in His heavenly Father. He had to learn those things, and He had to believe in His heavenly Father. People say, yeah, but but He was the Son of God. He would believe it anyway. No, no. it couldn't be that way. Then He wouldn't be our perfect kinsman redeemer. He couldn't redeem us in a perfect way. He had to be just like us, feel the same pains that we feel, go through all the issues that we go through and yet never not overcome, so that when you and I face things even today, we know He's already overcome because we know Him that way. So He had to be the perfect example, so to do that He could only do what the perfect one did. See, the only flaw in Jesus was He lived in an earthly body. Up to this point, God had never been flesh. The only flaw that there was. But by the end of his life, what did he say? <laughs> the devil's got nothing in me. No. In essence, I've done this perfectly. I've withstood every temptation, every issue that's come against me so that you and I could walk free of anything that we face if we're willing to develop a relationship with the Father. The relationship now for you and I with the Father is through Jesus Christ by the person of the Holy Spirit, same way it was with him. His relationship with the Father was developed through the person of the Holy Spirit. That's why he said, I'm going to leave you another helper. He was the first helper. I'm going to leave you another one. The one that's in me, that's helped me do everything, I'm going to leave him for you. And because we have that second helper by the Holy Spirit, through what Jesus, our kinsman, Redeemer, accomplished, who sits at the right hand of the Father representing us, we have connection with God Almighty. That's what we have to read and see and hear in these verses of Scripture that He that we're reading about Jesus. In, in John 6 38, he said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. But the will of him who sent me. The way Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, hear me when I say this Holy Spirit couldn't do anything for Jesus until he was 30 years old. Oh, Pastor, that's blasphemy. No, Holy Spirit couldn't do anything. Because had, had he done something, then he would have had an advantage. But he couldn't do anything until he couldn't do anything until he was baptized in the river, river Jordan, coming up out of that and baptized in the Holy Ghost. The Father saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus heard that. But he already knew it because he had gotten that from his earthly father. Um, History says that Joseph probably died when Jesus was 19. Other people say it's longer, but I don't see how it could have been. But the ones that I've seen have been pretty true to things have said that that Joseph probably died when he was 19. And by that time, through those years... His father had given him the approval of, his, of a son and released him as a man. And so when Jesus heard those words, he had already heard those words from his natural father. And see, many of us, we've never heard those from our natural father. Many of us have never heard, well done as a son. I release you as a man. I have confidence in you. But our kinsman redeemer redeemed us that way. So as men and women alike, where we have low self-esteem and not received the things that that God had planned for us, we've not received those, we can get those things from Him. Now hear me, because this is where we're going to go in our whole series. But people need you to be like Joseph and Mary. People need you to know him and be an example to them that God is real. All the relationships that you have with people, if you're, Fabian stood up here talking about things that he that he's gotten from the word preached here about forgiveness. If you're born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and you've got a boatload of a train full of unforgiveness that you're still allowing in your life, people can't draw a whole lot from you. They can draw from you, but not a whole lot because that, inf- that unforgiveness is stopping that flow. God needs you and I to be desiring on a day-to-day basis to know what the Father's plan is for us, so that we can be those living examples, so in relationships that we have, maybe a coworker, potential to be selfish, be mad at them, hold unforgiveness. Well, I heard what they said about me and I'm gonna this. But what if you learned how to forgive and you laid it down no matter what they did? How many people's lives can you touch when you start acting like Jesus? I'm telling you the excuses that we've all had for why we can't develop certain relationships with certain people, we got to get rid of them to fulfill the plan he put us here for. Jesus spent 30 years developing his life, protecting his heart, so he could be the perfect example and be our kinsman, redeemer like Boaz was for Ruth. He spent 30 years, and then, if you notice, and I've said this to you just lately more and more, what he did after his earthly ministry is he spent the quality time on a regular basis talking to God. If my wife and I never talked, we just looked at each other, and we'd been doing that for, we've been married almost 44 years this year. It'll be 44 this year. We wouldn't know each other. If all we ever did was just look at each other, we wouldn't know each other. Why? Because we didn't talk. And I'm telling you today, God is wanting you to talk to Him. Well, Pastor, like, like, how do you talk to God? Well, how do you talk to your friends? How do you talk to anybody else? Just talk. I said this on Wednesday night. One of the things that I've begun to say to God a lot in the last couple of years, on a daily basis, sometimes upwards of 20 times in a day, Father, I love you. I love you. man, I love you. Something will be going on or maybe something's stirred up or whatever and I, I just kind of pull back and I, I hear those words coming out, about Lord, I, I love you. So, so what is that doing? What if I told my wife 20 times a day that I loved her? You get yeah. <laughs> you think that's maybe drawing somebody to you? I know it is with me. <laughs> I mean, I can I can just... It's not... God isn't a feeling, but it works to a feeling. Right. I can feel Him when I say those things. I, I can... <laughs> I swear, I've, I, it's like I've seen His face, and when I say that, like one of those teethy grins I can see from God. I haven't seen Him. It's just like... In my gut, I feel like He's smiling because I'm telling Him that I love Him. But what it's turned into is me talking to Him all the time about situations. Because what can happen is, in life, when we don't know Him like this, Jesus knew Him this way. So he talked to him about everything he was going to do and that means he got an answer from him because if God answered him and told him what to do and he did it and it worked, then it wasn't a, well, I think it was God. I Thank God Jesus didn't get any of those. Because then maybe we'll get healed and maybe we won't. No, he heard from him. And when he heard from him, he did what he said. That's the example that he's given us. <clears throat> In John 8 28, it says this Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. Can you imagine? <laughs> after his baptism in the river Jordan, can you imagine the things going on in his head? The thoughts? I mean, I mean I'm mean, I'm, I'm feeling like in that three-year period of time, Revelation was exploding in him about what his purpose, what did he just say? This is John 8. It's a little earlier. Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. Right here, he already knew what his result, end result was, what was actually going to happen. I don't, I don't believe Jesus at 12 years old totally understood that he was that ram in the thicket like it was with Abraham and Isaac. I, I don't believe he realized that 100%. But in John chapter 8, he did. When you lift, when you lift me up, then you're going to know I'm him. And I only do those things I hear from my Father. I only do what He says. That's what our relationship today, through the Word of God, through the example that Jesus set with His parents and authorities in His life, the things that we see Him doing, He didn't take over at 12 years old because he, He knew some things. He stayed submitted. And in those examples of the relationships that he had, when he stepped into his earthly ministry, he understood his relationship with the Father, and you try to do anything else but what Father says, destruction. That's what you and I today have to realize and we have to understand. Can you say amen? I want to read this and end with this. In John 17. This is Jesus right before he's going to, right before the whole process is about to start of him going to the cross. In verse 4 he says, I have glorified you on the earth, saying this to the Father, I have finished the work which you have given me to do, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory of which I had with you before the world was, the glory which I had with you before the world was, there's our kinsman redeemer redeeming us back to how it was, glory to God. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now. They have, they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. What does that look like? Relationship, right? Connection, involvement. Through involvement, they've begun to be connected, and Jesus sees that they're believing, that, he, that they believe that he's from him. That's what I just read right there. They were yours You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. They have believed this. So right here we see that everything that Jesus went through, it was about what He was leaving them so that they could carry on what He established. And listen, we're part of them. Everybody say, I'm a them. I'm a them. Say it. I'm a them. I'm one of them. I'm one of the ones that He's left it to and my, your and my responsibility is to implement that in the earth. And this last part of John 17, starting with verse 20, he said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those in Kerrville who will believe in me through their word. See, Kerrville is in the Bible. (laughs) That they all may be one, here it is, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me so when I when you and I become one with him and we become one with other people because we're one with him then the world will know because of our love for one another and our love that we've re- experienced and received from the father the world will know that he's real you know that the world is waiting on us the world is waiting on you and I the world is the world is waiting on the church to cause the rest of the world to be part of the church and the only way the rest of the world is going to be a part of the church is because we're one with him we're one with it with, with one another As Fabian said, we're able to walk in forgiveness and not hold things against people in spite of them. (coughs) Excuse me. There's all things that have to be worked out in, in, in what I'm saying about that. A lot of issues that have to be worked out, but we have to take responsibility in ourselves to do what he said. That's what Jesus did. And then it ends with this. Excuse me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one, I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. We can't stay the same. We can't wait around for things in the natural to change. We can't wait around for the 2024 election. Do all you got to do about that, believe in whatever you need to believe in. We can't wait around though for things in the natural. We have to daily be developing this relationship with God like we never have before. The way he just worded that, that, those last two verses. Me and you, you and me, and that they would be one the way we're one so that the world will believe that you sent me. Do you know how many people in the Middle East don't believe that the Father sent him? Do you know how many people in Israel don't believe that he was the one that was sent? I think that a huge part of why there's not more people born again today is because of the church. And what I'm meaning is not what the news media preaches about the church. I'm talking about the way we love one another, the way we're one with him. And in our relationships with everybody else, we become one with each other. The lack of that is the reason, I believe, that there's not more people born again. How could you refuse? I'll just speak for myself. How could anybody refuse my God? (laughs) My God. The God I serve, the, the one that's done everything for me, the one, I'm just talking about me personally. Who in the world, in their right mind, could ever refuse my God? And the reason being is cuz they don't know my God. Not like I know him. You could never refuse my God because my God's got every answer. Everything that people are looking for out there, my God's got it. You couldn't refuse it cuz he's got he's he holds the key to all the things that people are looking for. You know, if people are looking for money, think about God is God's got the money, but he's got the peace that goes with it. Did you hear me? So when you get something, that stuff is not your God. He's got the peace that goes with it. A lot of people are after money and they get money, but they've got no peace. And they die early ages. Go to the grave for heart attacks because of the stress and the pressure and everything that goes with it. That's why my relationship, your relationship with God has to be developed. And I'm just giving you a little piece of it, as I said to you a moment ago. Learn to talk to Him talks Texan. You don't have to talk Elizabethan. He talks like y'all and that kind of stuff. Just talk to him. Tell him you love him. It didn't really start affecting me for six months. But over the last year and a half of my life that I've told God every day multiple times that I love him, it's change something in me, my awareness, how much he likes to hear it. (laughs) If you think God likes to hear something, you're going to say it more and more, right? That's why I say it all the time. Father, I love you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we invite you to share it with someone in your life. We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also download our app and stay connected to Gates and access to the Word of God anytime you need it. We are believing that the seed of today's Word is going deep in your heart and that you always remember God is more than enough in every situation of your life.